as I said last week, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an element of newness. And I, and I really want to encourage you guys, whether you're from Chatswood and you're used to eight and a half years of what we used to do, or whether you're from Burwood and even the two years of what we're used to, I really want to encourage you guys, take that and I'll encourage you, park it. Park it. Because there is newness coming. And the only way newness can come is you have to let the old go. You have to let the old go. If you can't let the old go, you can't accept the newness of God. And I really want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you. I've heard some great stories this week. <laughs> People wanting to hold on to old things. I'm not going to mention any names. It's okay. We love you. It's okay. You do, you, you do whatever you want to do. You know, we still love you. <laughs> um, every week, and, and you know what? what's awesome is like not only do we have our whole um, Chatsu campus here, but we actually have new faces here today. So, you know, what, what's hard is, you know, no one knows who's new. No one knows who's from Chatsu. No one knows who's from Bird. So let's just assume everyone is new, right? This is day one. Welcome to school right? This is day one. You don't know what to expect. For some of you, you're like, I've never been to a church before in my life. Is this guy for real? Like, yes, this is what I'm like every week. So this is firstly, this is what you're going to get from me, okay? Um, Every week, one of the, the most important parts of coming to church together is we go to God's Word, right? We go to the Bible because the Bible is what teaches us, it's what leads us, and it's what guides us. It's not I'm not coming up with stuff. I'm not that inspirational nor that creative. But we go to God's word because we believe that the Bible is God's word. And because the Bible is God's word, we let God speak. Because I promise you, you don't need to hear me speak. You need God to speak. And that's what we do. If you don't have a Bible, if you've got a phone, there's multiple Bible apps. But if you want a physical Bible, let us know. We would more than love to give you a physical Bible for you to read throughout the week. Let me start with this question. When you woke up this morning, when you woke up this morning and, and, and you were like, okay, I need to go to church today, um, what was it that you were thinking to expect when you came? You know, it's a new season. You know, for some of you, it's your first time down in Burwood and, and whatnot. What was it that you, what, what did it mean for you when, I, when, when you said to yourself, I'm going to go to church today? Right? The question I'm trying to ask is for you, what is the church? What's the church? Uh, it's amazing to think that for many of us, even though we've been going to church for many years, we still kind of struggle to answer that question, what is church? Like, what, what is it that we're going to? And I thought as we begin this new season in our church, to go back and ask some very elementary, basic questions of the church and to let the Bible speak to us about what it is. Now, today we're going to be in the passage Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, now, this is the picture of this. This is the passage where it draws a picture of the first church, right? The first church that was together, when the first believers got together, this is what the church looked like. And I thought we'd start here because it's a great model for us to see what the church is and what the church isn't. 
So let me read the passage. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them. They'll be on the mega screen as well. My dream is, sorry, by the way, my dream is, right, not this screen, I think it's too small. I'd like a big Megatron screen that goes all the way across. I'm just saying. So if you've got one in your garage <laughs> that you're not using, feel free to donate it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. Now there are two uh, ways that you can break the, uh, break down this passage. And the first question is, is, what did the church do? Okay, what did the church do? And secondly, what was the attitude of the church? Right? And as we go through this, I want you to just, I want you to imagine what the first church would have been, but I then, I want you to try to translate that for you and for us in this space. Okay? So let's ask the question, what did the church do? There are four things that Scripture tells us. Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Just like what we're doing now, obviously they wouldn't have sound systems. They might not even have a roof or anything like that, right? But they centered themselves around the apostles' teaching of God's Word. Not the opinions of the apostles, but the teaching of God's Word. God's Word was center to the church and the faith. Because this is the problem. When God's word is not the center of the church, something else is. Either a personality, either someone's personal agenda, either another person or group, right? And if anything but God is at the center, then you're in trouble, right? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, what did the church do? They had fellowship. Now, what's fellowship? The biblical word for fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means to hold something common. Koinonia describes the unity of the spirit that comes from the Christian's shared belief, convictions, and behaviors. Fellowship we use the word fellowship pretty loosely, but fellowship isn't just hanging out, right? It's not just hanging out without purpose, but when we have fellowship, that produces mutual cooperation in God's worship, God's work, and God's will being done in the world. It's not like, hey, let's go have fellowship at the bowling alley, like just hanging out, right? There's got to be purpose. There's got to be purpose. The third thing that the church did was they broke bread. Now, this, is, uh, this could mean two things. Uh, firstly, it could mean sharing meals together, right? Now, some churches, they don't really share too many meals together. We are big on this. We are waiting for, you know, the next sort of stage restriction to have morning tea outside. We encourage people 
to, to after church, now that we're all here, go and have a meal. Right? We encourage people to, to invite people over to their homes and open up their homes and, and have a meal. Someone once said, when you can open up your home, that's when you know you can open up your heart. When you can open up your home to someone for a meal, that's when you know you can open up your heart. And, you know, for some of us, we can't do that. We don't have homes or we live with our parents or anything like that. But you can go to a restaurant. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a fancy restaurant. You know, take them to the greatest Scottish restaurant in the world. McDonald's. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Dinner tonight, baby. Yeah. <laughs> right? But that's, there's something about sharing a meal. There's something about it that is, goes beyond just conversation. And that's what one of the meanings of breaking of bread could be. But the second breaking of bread could also talk about communion. So communion um, is the sharing, is the breaking of bread and the sharing of the wine. When Jesus, before he died, this is what he said. Hey, when you get together, break bread, share the wine. And it reminds you of me. It reminds you of what I've done for you. And so that's the other meaning that, that when, when the church got together, they would remind themselves of what Jesus did. Right? The breaking of bread. The fourth thing that the church did is they prayed. What's prayer? Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is communicating with God. The church would pray. They would pray individually and the church collectively would pray. That's what we do. Prayer is something that is so important. Like any, any relationship, any relationship that you have with someone, if you're not communicating, you, you cannot maintain that relationship. We had a couple over for, for dinner last night, and, and, and you know we talked about the important things about relationship, and number one, communication. You find you know, why do marriages break down and why do relationships break down? The number one reason is communication or lack of communication. Same with God. You, know, you, can't, you can't maintain relationship with someone that you don't communicate with. And it's exactly the same with God. So they did four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They had fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. But it's not just about what the church did. But the second thing that we need to learn from this passage is what was the attitude that the church had? Because can I tell you, you can do all of those four things with a very different attitude. Right? You can, you know, you can devote yourself to the apostles' teaching because you have to. You know, I'll be honest, you can be at church right now. Like you might actually be here right now not because you actually want to be here, but because someone forced you to be here, right? The attitude is different. And depending on that attitude will change the whole context of church, right? So as we go through this list, once again, as you think about what it was for the first church, ask yourself where that fits in for you and for our church. Number one, anticipation. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There was anticipation at church, meaning there was expectation at church. 
When people came to church, it wasn't a Sunday morning, get up, get your coffee, put your face on, you know, and come to church. But there was a genuine excitement and a genuine anticipation for what God would do at church. There was a sense of awe, which is the root word of the word what? Awesome. People would come to church and they would be like, wow. That's what they would come to church with, that attitude. Now, let me ask you, when's the last time when you came to church, you're driving into church and you're like, yo, this is going to be amazing. Or was it more, I better get there in time. Parking so bad. What am I going to eat for lunch afterwards? I hope I don't sit next to that person again. You know, like, let's be real, right? But remember what church is. It's the house of God. Like, yeah, you know, like, it's not like Pastor James is going to pull out magic tricks. But there's so much. There's so much that God does in church. And the first church understood this. And they had anticipation. Secondly, they had the attitude of collectivism. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And the two big words are together and common. The attitude was that being together and having things in common was how they approached the church now this goes against the grain of our society we live in a very western a very individualistic society where it's you get your own i'm gonna get what i want and doesn't matter about the group i'll be blunt if you come to church and i'll try not to look at anyone i'll just look at the clock I'll look at the screen. Actually, no. I'll look at the clock. If you're coming to church on the dot by 10.30, you're mostly coming for you. You're coming for what you want. You're coming for what you're going to get out of it. There's actually no thinking and no desire for the group because everyone would know that church doesn't happen. Like service happens at 10.30. Church starts at 10. Coffee starts at 10. Conversations start earlier. Serving starts earlier. But if you're like, I'm going to just rock up 10.30, and then as soon as the last prayer is done, you're like, let's just call it what it is. That's not for the church. That's for you. But the first church was not like that. They had all, they were together and had everything in common. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, we all need to do everything together. Like, you know, we all like buy property in an area and then build white walls around it and then start wearing the same clothes. Okay, we start doing that. Okay, one of us is going to get arrested and that's probably me, right? (laughs) That's not what I'm saying, you know. But, But there's an element where the togetherness is important. I don't go to church just for me, but I go for our community, right? 
Um, church is collective. Okay? The third attitude that the first church had was they were caring. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The church was caring. They cared. Care was not something that the church did, but it was who they are. It was their attitude. And the whole point was this. They cared so much to the point where no one in the church had need. Now, that's an amazing picture if you think about it. If we were so giving and we were so generous as a church, right, that we gave and gave and gave to the point where no one was in need, that would be phenomenal. But once again, once again, right, it comes back to is it about me or is it about the church? You know, care can come in multi facets. It can come through material needs, but it can come through emotional support. It can come through spiritual support. It can come through supporting people with mental illness. Like when's the last time you came to church with the idea, how can I care for someone at church? Right? And it can be as simple as this. Last week, I had a conversation with someone after church. And so this week, I'm going to ask them, hey, how did that thing go? If you're the recipient of that care, right? You're going through something, right? You share with someone at church. And the next week, someone comes to you. That person comes to you and goes, hey, how did that go? Can I tell you, that changes people's lives. You know, the toy drive and the food drive that we're doing today, right? That's care. That is the minimum of care that we can do. I want to be helpful. I want to be of help. How can I help today? You know, there are people in our community, they're like this. They're driving in and they're like, how can I be helpful today? What can I do today to help someone? How can I talk to someone? Who do I mean? They talk, they think like this. They say, it's not something that we do, it's the attitude. Once again, it's not about you. If it's not about you, then you can care. But if you can't go beyond yourself, then you'll struggle to care because it's still about you. The fourth attitude that the first church had was they were committed. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. The church was committed. Once again, this is the attitude of the church. In the first church, there was no such thing as a Sunday Christian. There was no such thing as a flaky Christian. If you were in, you were in. Sadly, this attitude is, is hard to find these days in the church, even harder in our generation. As a generation, we're so flaky. We're so quick, whether it's our careers, whether it's relationships. As soon as something better comes up, you move on. Or as soon as something inconvenient happens, you move on. But you know what? When church is a, a, a convenience when church is just somewhere where you go, someone like, something happens at church and, and, and you don't like that person, then you just go. You know what that's called? That's called consumerism, right? You go to this restaurant and it's great, it's great, it's great, and then you have a bad experience, so what do you do? You never go to that restaurant ever again. Go to a different one. But you know what? Sadly, people treat church like that too. 
They're all good, they're all good, they're all good. And then the preacher preaches something that they don't like and then they go somewhere else. You know where you can't do that? Family. <laughs> right? It's all good, it's all, it's all good, and then it's not good, and you go, that's it. I'm out. I'm out of this family. I'm no longer a cha. I'm going to be a cho. <laughs> do we have any chos? Okay, I'll be the first cho. Right? You, 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 don't, you, you don't do that with family. Now, not saying that it doesn't happen. It does happen. But the attitude of the family is like, it's thick and thin, right? We had a wedding yesterday, right? Kerry and Michelle, I know you guys are joining us on the live stream. Love you guys. In the vows, right? In, in sickness and in health. Right? For richer or poorer. Right? Till death do us part. That's the commitment of marriage. But if, if the commitment, if the vows of marriage sounded like what the commitment of the local church is these days, it would be this. It would be in, in, in health and health. In richer, but don't ever get poor. And not till death do us part. But this is legit, right? It's until our love runs out. That's sad, but you know what? That's actual vows. Till our love dies out or something like that. Till our love runs out. What do you like, a car? Like your petrol runs out and, oh, I'm done. You know? But that's the thing. See, that's, that's, that's the commitment. You know, one of the things that I'm so grateful for in our church is, is we, we have a committed church. Eight and a half years, I promise you, there have been so many reasons. Every single person I can think of, every single member in our church, there has been a reason for you to leave the church, right? Number one, me. Secondly, my wife. You know, number three, Pastor May. Number four, Pastor James. You know, like, just start from the leadership. Like, there's been reasons every time. And I apologize for me. I can't apologize for everyone else, but I apologize for me, right? But you know what? You stuck it out. I'm grateful. Firstly, thank you for your friendship. You know, luckily I'm very secure. So the people that have left, it's okay. You know, but the, the attitude of the church was they were committed. They were committed. The fifth attitude that the church had was they had open hearts. Verse 46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Once again, open homes, open hearts. They were ready to host. They were ready to show hospitality to others. Let me ask you, when's the last time you opened up your home? When's the last time you opened up a meal? And it's not even like, I need to know that person well. Let me ask you, right? This is, this is a, a tricky one. When's the last time you invited someone that you first ever met to a meal, to a coffee? to hang out, have a conversation. Can I tell you, you, hear, you, you talk to people who come to church for the first time and, and you hear stories of they keep coming and then as you get to know them, you go, how come you ended up staying at our church? The number one reason, I promise you, is not the preacher was so good, right? It's never that, 
right? It's never like the preacher is so good looking either. That's, I've never heard that one, sadly. You know, it is what it is, right? I'm, I'm secure, I'm secure, you know. But actually, you know, I think the number one reason, and I've heard this over and over, is I came to church and someone invited me to have a coffee. Someone invited me to have a meal and we had a conversation. And it changed their life. It changed the trajectory. Because you know what? When new people come to church, and I, and I tell this to, to our leaders all the time, you know what? We get one shot. You know, we, we forget this, but you, know, you get one shot with relationships sometimes. Really want to encourage you. Have that attitude of an open heart, meaning you turn up and you're like, God, what do you want to do? I'm ready. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to host. You know, don't just go and eat meals with the same people. You know what's awesome? Um, since we had bird, right? There's there's lunch. Uh, there's been lunch after service every week. And what's awesome been? It's just been anyone comes. It's an open lunch. Anyone is welcome to it. Now, we can't do that anymore. And the reason is not because we don't want to do open lunches, right? Is there is not a restaurant that can fit all of us. Like we struggle to fit 10 people in restaurants these days because of social distancing, right? So what do you do? Don't break up. Break up into small groups. Go have a, go have a meal with one or two people. Invite them. And, and you know what? Invite them and if they're like, oh, no, sorry, I've got plans today. Don't take that as a no, okay, never. It's a, okay, how about next week? Let me be your plans next week. And they go, oh, well, actually, I'm busy next week. Oh, how about the week after? <laughs> right? And, and I tell you, if they say no four times, take it as a sign. <laughs> Hand them off to someone else. Right? The last attitude that the church had was, they, and I titled it Worship Field Living, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were worshiping God. Remember, this isn't just what they did, but it was the attitude that they had. They were living life worshiping God, and Sunday church was just a part of that. Can I tell you, Christianity is not about the Sunday gathering. The Sunday gathering is a part of Christian living, Right? But your worship for God actually doesn't end when you leave, but continues the whole week. How you live, how you meet people, who you hang out with, how you spend your money, the attitude towards work throughout the whole week. These people were committed to God, worshiping him, not just on a Sunday, but every day. And the end result, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can I tell you, friends, it's our job to love God and love his people. It's our job to be caring and committed, and it's God's job to save people and grow the church. It's God's job. God builds the church. We make disciples. So, let me ask you. Do you go to church or are you part of the church? Two very different questions. Do you go to church 
or are you a part of the church? Meaning, is church something or somewhere you go to do your religious duty, your religious obligation, or are you a part of the living body of Christ? The answer to that question changes everything about your relationship with church and your relationship with God. Actually, it shows us where you are with God. If church is purely a building, a worship service, a place to do your religious duty, then actually everything you've made it about you. You're the center. Even you're like, I'm going to go worship God. No, no, no. You, it's about you. You, you. You're the center of your universe. You go to your thing so that so that you can get something out of it. You know, you hear things like, oh man, the worship just wasn't good today. Right? Or I didn't, no, no, I didn't get anything out of church today. I'm like, God's up there going, you didn't get anything out of church today. (laughs) It's not about you. Like you are a part of the greater body, but this whole thing is about God. And you know what happens? You know what happens when you, 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 you sit with that attitude? When something that happens that you don't like or something more important comes? Or you're not ready to, to, to serve or get dirty? You move. You leave. We've seen it. We've seen it over and over again. And we'll continue to see it. And you know what? The, the bottom line of that is church was about them. It was about their desires, their agenda, not about God's. Now, does that mean you can't leave the church? No, you can leave the church. There are godly reasons for you to leave the church. But when you get to that place, you've got to ask yourself, why am I leaving the church? 90% of the time, it's because of selfish reasons. But when you understand that church is not somewhere where you go, but church is a part of who you are, that you're a part of the church, then it goes beyond this building. It goes beyond Sunday mornings. The church goes wherever you go, and it really becomes not about you, but about Jesus. It's not about your convenience or your comfort, but it's about your calling of where Jesus wants you to be, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. And when you're a part of that church, that's what life's about. So, friends, as we start this new season, ask yourself, is church somewhere that I just go? You know, can I be ever so bold? And if this offends you, I do apologize in advance. But if you want to just be a bum on a seat, meaning if you just want to go to a church just for the sake of ticking off a Sunday service, there are so many churches that are closer to you, that are better, better preaching, better music, better people, right? And don't don't hear me wrong, I love you all, but 
if that's where you want to be, then I'll help you find the best cushioned seated church in all of Sydney. But if you want to, if you want to do this with us, then jump in. And don't be like, well, you know, I'm new to the church. Everyone is new to this church now. Today is day one for everyone. Let's be the church. Let's not play church. That was the first thing eight and a half years ago. I remember we were having this conversation. Is let's stop playing church. It's like when kids play, you know, mums um, and dads or houses, right? They, they make believe. They're just pretending that there's something. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm so sick of church being like that. And I'm sure so many of you are as well. Let's stop playing church. Let's start being the church. And I promise you, we do our part and God will do his. Don't get comfortable. There's a new thing happening. Right? Don't think that this is it. This is the pinnacle of what God wants for our church. It's not. I promise you, God has so much more. We just need to understand where we fit in that. So, friends, let's be the church. Let's pray.